0: This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. You know, as Americans, I don't know if we agree on as much as we used to anymore, but I can tell you one thing that all you have to do is be in a crowd of people and say, one thing, and that everyone agrees, this has been a weird year. This has been a crazy year. And everyone goes, oh yeah, this, this has been crazy. Part of the, the challenge with this year is it has really shaken some of the things that we identify with. Some of the things that we we, we based our life and founded our life on, it is shaking that so We've been doing a series called Get Used to Different. I wanna propose this morning that there's a, using this different year to begin to make a change in a different way that you see yourself. How do you see yourself? The ways that you identify, those are the characteristics, the things that put you in a group or a classification of people, how you see yourself, a lot of things that, that make that up. For example, Uh, Sports teams You know a lot of times people identify with sports team, maybe their college team or high school team college team NFL teams. I was I was talking to a guy on Friday. I was doing a wedding on Friday I will before this month is out. I'll have done at least five weddings Which is great because here's my deal. You're you're living together. You want to come in? I can get you in and out in 15 minutes (laughs) Boom. And then hey you want God's blessings to do it his way. So man, we'll, we'll make it short and sweet. But uh, I walked in, this guy said, oh yeah. He said, I've been to your church. He said, last time I was here, you were cracking on my Cowboys. He didn't, he didn't even mention the message or any of the points he thought. He just, he just remembered that I cracked on his Cowboys. And so we identify there. This is a hard year to be identifying with Cowboys and Texans. It's like, they're, they're not helping us, weird year. Anyway, there's sports. Then there's job. Career or performance area. You talk to someone and, and they say, yeah, I'm an attorney, I'm a banker, I'm a teacher, I'm a sales rep, I'm a, I'm a stay-at-home mom. There's usually something we identify with that has to do with our job or our our career, our performance. You hear guys say, I'm a triathlete, I'm a golfer, I'm a bowler. You don't hear much bowlers anymore, but they're out there. There's bowlers, there's all these performance areas, and we base that, that that groups us, we base our identity there. And, of course, politically. This is the year we have definitely grouped ourselves politically. Republican, Democrat, libertarian, independent, nothing. So it's all of these are are different demographics. And that's the last one is the demographic ones. Those are the ones like black, white, brown, mixed. That's the the gender. That's all these different, Italian, Irish. People say this is how I identify. Southern, one that goes over big here is Texan. Never fails. I've mentioned all those other ones. I hit Texans like, woo. But that's an identity. And so you say, well, is there anything wrong with these identities? The challenge with, with identities is if they're wrong. If, for example, that you identify with being, and a lot of times people won't tell you this, But secretly, they identify with being a loser, or unlovable, or not valuable. That's when it becomes a problem. And you you see them begin to identify this way. Now, my parenting tip is just just a a warning to parents. Watch who your kids group with, because that'll tell you who they identify with. So pay attention to those things, and that's, that's always a good sign. You can tell a lot about your kids by who they identify with, what groups they identify with. And then, of course, if you base your identity on something that's, that's old, passed away. For example, if you're a high school football star, that is great, but it's not so great 20 years from now. And I, I don't know if there's anything sadder than watching somebody who, 20 years ago, was a high school football star still wearing his Letterman jacket. It's like, dude, the day has passed, it, it, it's, time, it's time to move on. So if, if you're basing it on, on wrong information, or negative information, limiting information, or old. Then another one that can be a challenge is, what if what you based your identity on has changed? Now that's when it gets difficult. Maybe you always saw yourself as as married and then the the divorce hits. So all of a sudden now you you have to identify as divorced. That's a challenge. What about if you lose your job? That's so difficult, especially I can speak as a man. It's so difficult for, for men because we see ourselves as providers. And so we lose a job, and often people's identity goes through the roof. And I want to tell you something. Don't let that be the only thing you base your identity on. God can get you another job, and he can help you with that area. It doesn't have to impact you that much. But then there's another one. That is if our identity becomes a dividing line, when it becomes a point of contention. I'll give you an example. Last week, I shared a story. If you watched online or if you were here, you heard me share a story at the end, about my dog, how I'm tender towards my dog. I got people texting me from all over the country going, love the dog story. That's so. How many of you could identify and you would say, I'm a dog lover, I, I love dogs? How many? Just yeah, okay. All right. See, see, listen, see, here it comes. Here it comes. Hang, hang on to that amen. How many of you are cat lovers? You love cats? Don't be embarrassed. Put your hands up. There we go. All right. Now, that's not a problem. If you're a dog lover or you're a cat lover, basically what you are is you're an animal lover that happens to prefer dogs or cats. Now, when it becomes a problem is when I said, where are the cat lovers? And the hands went up and I went, who could love a cat? Oh, for crying out loud, they're worthless. I mean, they won't even talk to you. They're aloof, they won't, you know, forget cats. Well, automatically, that makes all the cat lovers mad. They're like, "I'll tell you what, i really have my cat can whoop your dog." And I'm okay. Well, all right. <laughs> Everything can whoop my dog. I don't, that's the. Uh. <laughs> but the challenge is when it becomes a dividing line. I really believe one of the biggest challenges we're facing right now in America is we've ceased to become Americans, and we've divided into political parties. We're not realizing we're Americans first and Republicans, Democrats, and Libertarians second and after that. So it would help us end the hate. You say, well, Alan, are you trying to take away my identity? No. If you're a cat-loving libertarian cowboy fan, I'm gonna let you hang on to that. I, <laughs> I, that's fine. But what I am saying is this, and this is what I'm proposed this morning there's a higher identity. There's a higher way of connecting, a higher way of identifying ourselves. When Paul wrote a lot of the, the, the letters to the church, he talked a lot about that. And he wrote the church at Galatia, and this is what he says. He says, for you're all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many as you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's neither male nor female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. Now leave that scripture up just for a second. I want to show you something. He said, there's neither Jew nor Greek. That's a racial divide right there. The Jews are a race of people. They, they look down on everybody else. The Greeks look down on the Jews. And Paul said, that's not it. You're neither slave nor free. That's a social demographic. The slaves were looked down upon. They had no social status and the free would look down. Paul said, that's not it either. He said, there's neither male nor female. There's your gender difference. He said, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. You see, when you make Jesus Christ your Lord, there is an identity that supersedes all of the rest of it. And that's a a higher identity. And not only is it a higher identity, it's a stronger identity. It's a stronger identity because it's eternal and it's not subject to culture or circumstances or even time. For 10,000 years from now, guys, when we're in heaven, and you, you walk up and see me in heaven, you probably won't be wearing cowboy gear. And you probably won't be going, you know, I still remember when you cracked on my cowboys. I think when we get there, there aren't going to be any distinctions. They're not going to divide us. They're not going to separate us. We're all going to be just glad to be there by the grace of God and our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're just going to be rejoicing in heaven. Although you might tell me, I'm so disappointed the Texans never won the Super Bowl. Hey, that was 10,000 years ago. And it doesn't really matter now. There was a man in the Bible who connected and made a connection with God. And he, you could see that his identity was in God. He's one of my favorite characters. His name is David. David had a unique relationship with God, loved God, had a unique relationship. And David, after he'd become king, he united the country. He wanted to bring the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem. Now, the Ark was was basically a a box over covered in gold. It had cherubim, and it's where the presence of God would, would dwell. And so the Ark represented God. It represented the presence of God, and it had been away from Jerusalem for years, and David made a place for it, and now he's bringing it back. And as he's bringing it back, It's a man, it is like a huge parade, it's a party. There were people blowing trumpets and horns and playing musical instruments and drums. And David is dancing. The Bible said he's dancing before the Lord with all his might. He's twirling and dancing and and he's just, he's so excited that, that, that that the ark of God is coming back. The Jews were a very demonstrative, expressive people. And he was just expressing. One of his wives was named Michelle. And she looked down from the window and she saw him dancing before the Lord and she, she despised him. Bible said she despised him in her heart. She looked down and she yelled, Phew. See, she, Michelle was the King Saul's daughter. King Saul was the first king. He was no longer king. Michelle was the king's daughter and she evidently knew how kings were supposed to act. And David wasn't acting like a king. And she went, pfft. says she despised him in her heart. Well, She comes, David comes in. Michelle gives him what for? Look at the scripture. David returned to bless his household. Michelle, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, how glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering himself today in the eyes of the maids of his servants as one of the base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. So David said to Michelle, it was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father and all his house and to appoint me ruler over the people of Israel, over the people of the Lord, over Israel. Therefore, I will play music before the Lord, and I will be even more undignified than this. And I will be humble in my own sight, but as for the maidservants of whom you have spoken, by them I will be held in honor. Man, she, so he comes in, he's happy, and she's giving him that look, like, you are disgusting. Out there just dancing around with your, with your you know, they, they didn't wear pants, they were like these robes and stuff, and your skirt all flying up. <laughs> you know what? He, he looked at that girl. He, he unashamedly said, oh no, let me tell you something. It was before the Lord that I was dancing. The Lord who made me king instead of your daddy. <laughs> and instead of your daddy's house. I said, and I, got other, I got other news for you too. You think I'm going to do this? I'm going to be even more undignified than this. He's like, oh, you talking to me? I'm going to talk to you back. (laughs) And you saw something with David that David had connected with the fact that it was God who made him king. And it was God who put him where he was. And it was God who had made the difference in his life. And so he he wasn't trying to impress people. He was trying to impress God. That's who he was after. And he said, I don't care what you think, I'll be more undignified than this. And you see a man in David who is connected and identified with his commitment to God and his connection to God. In that story, you see someone who said, You know what? I'm going to be identified with him, not what you think a king should be. How do we see ourselves differently? How do we, during this year, how, how can we begin to look, maybe you lost your job, maybe your situation's changed, maybe you feel like, man, this has it's been a, a horrible year, I feel a little bit worthless. How do, you, how do you change that? When you begin to see yourself through God's eyes, things can change. Three things that I, want, I want to share with you about seeing yourself through God's eyes. He's pardoned you, he's promoted you, and he's privileged you. Pardon, what do you mean pardon your sins have been forgiven in Ephesians Paul wrote the church and said this be kind one to another tender-hearted forgiving one another even as God in Christ forgave you because when you made Jesus your Lord all of your sins and all of your past was completely forgiven washed away done and you don't have to constantly go back and remember that constantly live with regrets Constantly think about the things that you've done in the past. In God's eyes, completely done away with, completely forgiven. And, but yet so many people, the past holds them a prisoner. A number of years ago, Harry Houdini was probably one of the, one of the top attractions in America. He was a magician. He was, a, he was a, an escape artist, had all these things. And Harry Houdini, I mean, he was a great self-promoter. And he would make, the legend tells us, he would make this claim. He said, I can, if I walk into any jail in America with my clothes on, I can escape from it. And so a, a jail down south took him up. He said, come on into this one. You can't get out of this one. So he walks in with his clothes on. Everybody's outside. He's by himself. When he walks in, he takes his coat off first. But then he also does something unusual. He takes his belt off. And inside of his belt, he had a very thin but strong piece of metal that he used to pick locks. And he went to work on this lock. And for 30 minutes, he worked on the lock, couldn't get it undone. An hour, he couldn't get it undone. Now he's starting to be concerned. At two hours, he's bathed in sweat. He is not able to get the lock open. And he sits down and he just, in defeat, he just leans back against the door and it opens. Because it had never been locked. He was trying to work on an unlocked door. Listen, when you make Jesus Christ your Lord, the prison of unforgiveness is over in your life, and all the things that held you bound no longer hold you bound. But if you don't know that, you can live in an unlocked prison cell. But when you find out, hey, my identity is in Christ, I am forgiven for all I have done, the lock comes off. Pardoned. Promoted. I got promoted. Yeah, you you got promoted. Again, Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, and this is what he says in Ephesians. He said, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Paul would refer to that often. He would talk about the kingdom of darkness and how we've been delivered out of the kingdom of darkness. He said, you were once darkness. You once identified with darkness. So what do you mean the darkness? The fear, the shame, the negativity, the the poverty, the sickness, the disease. Everything that you can think about that's associated with darkness, he said, "That's, that's where you once lived. You once were under that dominion and that authority. But when you made Jesus your Lord, you got a brand new identity. You no longer are under darkness and all of those things no longer have to have a dominion over you. You've been free to walk in the light. And in the light, there's love and joy and peace. In the light, there's revelation. There's understanding. In the light, there's strength. It's just so much better when you got promoted to the kingdom of light. So if you're thinking, I'm so afraid of darkness and I've got people around me and they're evil people and they're they're saying that they're going to do awful things to me. You don't have to be afraid of any of them. You can just stand up and go, sorry, I'm not part of that kingdom. I'm part of God's kingdom and all the darkness. The Bible said the light can shine in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. So you don't need to worry about anybody and your neighbor. Someone in my my apartment complex is a witch. You ought to laugh and go, what a sad way to go because you can't hurt me. You can't curse what God has blessed. And so we walk in the light in that area. Pardoned, promoted, and privileged. You say privileged? You're talking about white privilege? No. I'm talking about Christ-privileged. Look at this, Ephesians. For through him, through Jesus, we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. It says when you make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, what happens is you are no longer on the outside looking in. You no longer have to, to be afraid that you can pray and approach God because you have access. It's through him. In fact, you have just as much access as I do. You have just as much access as joy does. You have just as much access as the most awesome Christian that you know. You have just as much access because the access is not in who we are. It's in our identity we have in Christ. So now we have access. We're not on the outside looking in. We can come boldly right into the throne of grace and say, Heavenly Father, I'm so glad I'm here. We have access and we're a citizen. Our citizens have rights. We're not, we're not a foreigner, we're citizens of God's kingdom. There was a, a 2020 show a number of years ago about a man by the name of Wilfredo Garza. Wilfredo Garza for 35 years lived as an illegal immigrant. He would cross over the border, sneak over the border and work some and, and he got caught four times. He got deported back to Mexico four times on a bus and yet he would swim the, the Rio Grande, he would come across, kept coming across but he lived in fear all the time. Well, one day he had the courage to walk in, in on the United States to walk into an immigration lawyer. And when he walked into the lawyer, they began to examine family records and they found out that Wilfredo Garza's father was born in Texas and had worked here. And Wilfredo was not an illegal immigrant. He was a citizen of the United States. And so no longer did he have to sneak across the border. He could walk directly across the border going, I am a U.S. citizen. Listen, when you make Jesus Christ your Lord, you have a new identity in him. You're now a citizen of the kingdom of God. You don't have to sneak into God's throne room. You can walk right in and go, hello, Heavenly Father. I am so glad to be here. I belong here. You're a citizen and not only are you a citizen, but you're also a member of his household. That means you're Family—that means you belong, and that's such a wonderful thing. Our identity in Christ, when you made Jesus your Lord, you were promoted, pardoned, and privileged. Now, the key to that is that you, you begin to look at that—that that you don't just hear it and go, "Hey, that's nice," but you look at it, and what you'll find is over time it becomes more of a reality on the inside of you, and you begin to say, "Hey, this is, this is really who I am," and when you begin to find out who you are in Christ. And other things don't matter as much. Three years ago, I was riding down 2854s at night. I was going to a friend's place to work out. I got a call from my mother. My mother doesn't call me. I always call my mom. She rarely ever calls me. So I'm on the speakerphone in the car, and she says, honey, can I, can I talk to you for a second? I said, sure, mom. She said, I have a secret to tell you. My mom's 82 years old. And I have to admit the very first thing, my dad was still living at the time. And the very first thing that went through my mind is, Mom, if you were having an affair, you were way too old to be having an affair. My mom mom said, Honey, I have a secret. She said, "Um, Your father and I tried to have a a baby after we were married, and we couldn't have a baby. um, uh," She said, "Your, Your father was completely sterile. He could not have children at all. And so I'm thinking, okay, I'm here. So something happened. Well, a few months before then, Joy and I had done some DNA testing. Joy, she, she just finally wore me down. I'm like, okay, spit in the tube, send it in. And I came back. I thought I would be English. I told her, I said, I don't need to see that. I'm English, I'm German, and Austrian, and maybe a little Irish. That's it came back, I was 49.7% Jewish. I'm like, now that's a surprise. I thought they'd made a mistake. You know, Clayton is not a real Jewish name. Uh, I always thought, you know, Clayton's kind of English. And so now my mom is telling me, and so I said, mom, let, let me make sure I got this straight. So my father is not my biological father. She said, no, honey, he's not. She said, in 1958, we did something called artificial insemination. It was brand new then. Well, ten years old. In fact, it, it was it was frowned upon in some circles. They called it adultery by doctor. And so they couldn't pick. They couldn't choose. It was it was a roulette wheel. And I found out. So I, I said, Mom. I said, Mom. So what you're telling me is my dad's is not my real dad. She said, No, honey. He's not. So Joy starts digging around to find out who my she finds my my family, and. I come from a family by the name of Yarmolinsky. So glad for Clayton, I really was. I am just <laughs> so easy to spell. So yeah. But that, how do you think you're 58 years old, and all of a sudden you find out that your dad's not your your biological dad, and everyone just like, did you freak out? No. Did it really bother you? No. Did you spend a lot of time? You know, would you? I mean, did it, you're 58 years old and now. You find out. No, explains a few things. It, it explains why my dad is 6'4 and I'm 5'10. I got, I got that figured out. <laughs> it, it, it began to, to help me understand some things, but here's the thing. It didn't freak me out, and it didn't bother me because I realized that ever since I was 22 years old, I've been focusing and reading and thinking and thanking God about who I am in Christ and my identity in Christ is stronger than being English or Irish or Clayton or another thing. And so it, 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 you know, I thought it was interesting, but it really didn't faze me. And there was another thing. I knew that my dad loved me, and that's enough. You know, if you're here today and you're thinking, man, I grew up in a bad home, or I grew up in a home I didn't know if my dad loved me or not, or my dad wasn't around, or—you know, I can understand that oftentimes that can cause identity challenges. Man, i got good news for you. You can trade in whatever identity you've had in the past and make Jesus your Lord and have an identity that's in him, that's in Christ. And you get to be part of God's family and you get to be part of a citizen of his kingdom and you get to be forgiven and all those things. And you also have a father who loves you dearly. And that's enough. Would you bow your head with me? Today, if you're here and you say, Alan, I don't have a relationship with the Lord. I know that he knows it, but I'd like to. Or maybe you're here and you say, I, I used to have a relationship with God. I walk with God, but I've gotten away from him. He said bowed, and eyes are closed. I'm going to ask, please, no one moving or leaving. If you're here today and you go, you know what? I, I want that relationship with the Lord. I want to be sure about that. I want to come back to him. We're going to say a prayer. I'm not going to have you stand up. I'm not going to have you come to the front. But we're going to pray, and it's a powerful prayer. Whether you're here or online, this prayer can make a difference in your life. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one looking around. If that's you and you say, Alan, I, I want to be sure I have a relationship with the Lord. Or I, I, I need to be sure of that. Would you pray for me? Just you slip your hand up real quick, cross this auditorium and say, that's me, would you pray for me? Thank you, great, thank you. Thank you, appreciate your courage. Thank you, yeah, I got you, way in the back. You can put your hands down now. Maybe you didn't lift your hand you wanted to you can still get in on this prayer we're gonna pray it with you as a church family and you're welcome just to jump in right on this pray it from the heart pray it out loud we're gonna we're gonna pray it out loud with you say dear God I know mankind needs a savior I know I can't save myself Jesus I believe you're the son of God I believe he died on the cross for my sins and God raised you from the dead Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. My heads are still bowed and eyes are closed. Father, I'm very grateful for those who have acknowledged their need for you and those who have come to you or those who have come home. We rejoice with them. And Father, for the rest of us, thank you that we have an identity with you that's eternal, in Christ, pardoned, promoted, privileged. What a blessing that is. We acknowledge that you're the one that made that difference in our lives and we give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Listen, before we go, if you prayed that prayer with us, or maybe you've done it in time past, let me get you to do one thing. There's a a card right by your your feet. It says, yes. If you fill it out, we'll get some information to you. If you just write your name and your decision, we're going to pray for you. Or you can text the word in to 313131. We're going to pray for you. We do it every week. We do not miss. We recognize the value of your decision. Before you go, let me bless you. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. We love you. We are praying for you. Have a wonderful week. God bless. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.